Hey y'all, welcome back as we continue our walk through the book of Zechariah. We are on Zechariah chapter 10 today where we talk about restoration coming for God's people. We'll start out in verse 1 of chapter 10. Ask the Lord for rain in the spring, for he makes the storm clouds, and he will send showers of rain, so every field becomes a lush pasture. Household gods give worthless advice. Fortune tellers predict, predict only lies, and interpreters of dreams pronounce falsehoods that give no comfort. So my people are wandering like lost sheep. They are attacked because they have no shepherd. My anger burns against your shepherds, and I will punish these leaders. For the Lord of heaven's armies has arrived to look after Judah, his flock. He will make them strong and glorious, like a proud war horse in battle. From Judah will come the cornerstone, the tent peg, the bow for battle, and all the rulers. They will be like mighty warriors in battle, trampling their enemies in the mud under their feet. Since the Lord is with them as they fight, they will overthrow even the enemy's horsemen. I will strengthen Judah and save Israel. I will restore them because of my compassion. It will be as though I had never rejected them, for I am the Lord their God who will hear their cries. The people of Israel will become like mighty warriors, and their hearts will be made happy as if by wine. Their children too will see it and be glad. Their hearts will rejoice in the Lord. When I whistle to them, they will come running, for I have redeemed them. From the few who are left, they will grow as numerous as they were before. Though I have scattered them like seeds among the nations, they will, stale, they will still remember me in distant lands. They and their children will survive and will return again to Israel. I will bring them back from Egypt and gather them from Assyria. I will resettle them in Gilead and Lebanon until there is no more room for them, for them all. They will pass safely through the sea of distress, for the waves of the sea will be held back, and the waters of the Nile will dry up. The pride of Assyria will be crushed, and the rule of Egypt will end. By my power I will make my people strong, and by my authority they will go wherever they wish. I, the Lord, have spoken. So this declares that God will restore. God will bring the nation of Israel back together. And the, the Jewish, they were commanded to obey the priests who would tell them God's will in their time and culture. But oftentimes the leaders would turn to sorcerers and fortune tellers and seers and diviners and use adulterous divination devices that were forbidden by God instead of trusting God and following God's lead. In Israel, in the later days, which are now, will be like wandering sheep because their leaders will follow lies instead of the truth of God. And we see that happening all around us. And God is going to punish the evil leaders who give God's people wrong direction and steer God's people into idolatry and sin instead of towards God and to God. And he's going to give victory to his people, his children. There's a faithful remnant 
of Messianic Jews who are rising up and proclaiming Jesus as their Lord and Savior. And we also have the faithful remnant of us Gentiles who are rising up and proclaiming Jesus as our Lord and Savior. And he will give us victory. We will live victorious in his kingdom for eternity if we choose Jesus for our life. And the cornerstone speaks of Jesus, the foundation for his people. And the keystone joins the walls together as the Jews and the Gentiles are joined together by the cornerstone. The ten peg refers to our Messiah as the one whose burdens are placed our burdens are placed on Jesus with confidence, knowing he is carrying us through. And he is our victorious war warrior, and Jesus will never lose a battle because Jesus is king and he is victorious. He is superior over all. And the word Messiah, the our Messiah, it comes from Judah. And God gave the Messianic promise to Judah in Genesis 49.10. And every ruler of the nation since David came from the tribe of Judah. And it was with David that God made this covenant. And the emphasis is strength and mighty men. And we know that Jesus comes from the tribe of Judah as well. And he is our eternal king, our eternal priest, our eternal sovereign, sovereign God. And God will be with the Jewish nation and they will trample their enemies down like mud in the streets. And they're going to go from victory to victory with the strength of God. And God will also call the scattered sheep back home from many countries where they've been scattered over the years. And it's going to be like a second exodus when they pass, when they went through the Red Sea, God's going to bring them through the seas of affliction and back home to him and return to their land and under his rule and reign and, and worship him as their eternal king, just like we all will if we choose Jesus will be part of his eternal kingdom. And the people of Israel are going to be regathered. God is not finished with Israel. God is not finished with his firstborn nation. And he is not finished with us either. He has a plan and a purpose for each of our lives. And when we choose Jesus as our Lord and Savior, we are adopted in and grafted in into his eternal kingdom. In the battles that are fought on our earth are battles against the enemy. We we fight against the 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 enemy, not people. And God unites us. He unites us in Christ Jesus and he brings us together. It says in, in Matthew 17 and, or no, I'm sorry, John 17, that Jesus said that, that the world will know that we are children of God by our love for God and each other and by our unity. And we are united in Christ. And he helps us and he strengthens us and he gives us what we need to continue carrying on. And he's going to continue to help us to be victorious war horses as the coming end times grow nearer and nearer. We don't know when Jesus is returning, but we know it's closer today than yesterday. We only need to humbly admit our failures, repent from ourselves and turn to Jesus. And we are a child of God when we do that, when we sincerely turn to him with all of our hearts, we are his children. We are a part of his family and his eternal kingdom. And we're going to continue into chapter 11 with this message as well. And Israel is going to be in trouble. Like all the nations are rising up against Israel. And in the end times, 
Jesus will come and he will rescue Israel. He will cleanse them and he will give them an eternal kingdom that we are a part of if we trust in Jesus. During the time of David and Solomon, Israel was the most powerful nation on earth with wealth and resources beyond measure. And after Solomon's death was when the nation divided into two kingdoms, Israel and Judah. Israel was the northern kingdom and they began to deteriorate and they were chasing false idols and sin. So God sent the Assyrians to conquer them and scatter them. And Judah had a ton of godless kings who chased evil instead of God. So God sent the Babylonians and they took Judah captive. And 70 years later, the remnant, they returned to their land to rebuild the temple. And it was difficult. It's not easy. Life on earth is never easy. And the nation had none of its former glory, but over the years they persisted and they restored the temple and the city. And Jesus, he is our Messiah and he came to earth and he he came gracefully and humbly and offered us mercy. And they rejected him and asked the Roman rulers to have him crucified. And about 40 years later in AD 70, the Roman armies came and destroyed Jerusalem and the temple and scattered the Jewish nation to the nations of the entire world. They didn't receive Jesus as their own Messiah, and they have been scattered ever since. There still is not a rebuilt temple. And this chapter is going to explain the nation's rejection of our Lord and Savior Jesus and how they will ultimately fall for a false Messiah. There is a false Messiah, a false Antichrist that is going to come and fool a lot of people. Do not be fooled. He is not Jesus. The whole world will know when Jesus arrives because he will arrive on the clouds riding a white horse with all of angels, armies, the armies of heaven following him. The Antichrist is going to appear at the end of the age and he will deceive many throughout the entire world. So we have to know scripture. We have to know our Lord. We have to know Jesus personally and intimately and not be fooled. We'll go into verse 1 of chapter 11. Open the doors, Lebanon, so that fire may devour your cedar forests. Weep, you cypress trees, for all the ruined cedars. The most majestic ones have fallen. Weep, you oaks of Bashan, for the thick forests have been cut down. Listen to the wailing of the shepherds, for their rich pastures are destroyed. Hear the young lions roaring, for their thickets in the Jordan Valley are ruined. So we're going to pause there. These are brief verses that describe the invasion of the land of Jerusalem by the Romans. And the invading army was like fire that burns the forests. The high priest Caiaphas thought that by killing Jesus, he would save the Jewish nation from destruction, but just the opposite occurred. They rejected Jesus and they opened the doors to judgment and being dispersed. And it was true that Jesus did die for the nation of Israel. And he also died for the entire sins of the entire world, which says in First John 2, 1 through 3, he wants all of us to choose him, to humble our lives and choose him. And the rejection of the Jewish nation, the rejection of the truth led to them accepting lies and believing lies and falsehood in the Roman invasion and the destruction of their temple and city occurred as a result. And we'll continue on in verse four. This is what the Lord, my God, says, go and care for the flock that is intended for slaughter. The buyers slaughter their sheep without remorse. The sellers say, praise the Lord. Now I'm rich. Even the shepherds have no compassion for them. Likewise, I will no longer have pity on the people of the land, says the Lord. I will let them fall into each other's hands and into the hands of their king. They will turn the land into a wilderness and I will not rescue them. 
So I cared for the flock intended for slaughter, the flock that was oppressed. Then I took two shepherd's staffs and named one favor and the other union. I got rid of their three evil shepherds in a single month, but I became impatient with these sheep and they hated me too. So I told them, I won't be your shepherd any longer. If you die, you die. If you are killed, you are killed. And let those who remain devour each other. Then I took my staff called favor and cut it in two, showing that I had revoked the covenant I had made with all the nations. That was the end of my covenant with them. The suffering flock was watching me, and they knew that the Lord was speaking through my actions. And I said to them, If you like, give me my wages, whatever I am worth, but only if you want to. So they counted out for my wages thirty pieces of silver. And the Lord said to me, Throw it in the potter, this magnificent sum at which they valued me. So I took the thirty coins and threw them to the potter in the temple of the Lord. Then I took my other staff, Union, and cut it in two, showing that the bond of unity between Judah and Israel was broken. Then the Lord said to me, Go again and play the part of a worthless shepherd. This illustrates how I will give this nation a shepherd who will not care for those who are dying, nor look after the young nor heal the injured, nor feed the healthy. Instead, the shepherd will eat the meat of the fattest sheep and tear off their hooves. What sorrow awaits with this worthless shepherd who abandons the flock? The sword will cut his arm and pierce his right eye. His arm will become useless and his right eye completely blind. So a few things here. Um, God commanded Zechariah to play the role of a true shepherd and the flock of Israel was destined for slaughter because of their wicked rulers, but he was to do his best to rec- rescue them. And the Jewish leaders were, were not concerned about the sheep at all. They did not care. They're concerned only about their wealth and their position and their power. And God's favor to his people had come to an end and the covenant union between God and his people was broken. But So also was the union between Judah and Israel in the north, the northern and southern kingdoms divided. And God is patient and long-suffering, and he waits for us to repent and believe. He begs for us to come and turn to him and repent from our selfishness. But there comes a time when he has done all that he can and will do to reach the people who refuse him. And that time ends in judgment. And the people wanted Zechariah to quit He asked for his wages and they gave him the piece of a slave, the 30 pieces of silver. And it's an amount that he sarcastically called a lordly, handsome price. So disgusted was he with his wages that he went to the temple and threw the money to the potter who was working there. And the potter was likely supplying vessels for the priests. And according to Matthew 27, 1 through 10, Zechariah's actions were prophetic for Jesus, for Jesus was sold by Judas for 30 pieces of silver, and Judas brought the money back and threw it into the temple. And Matthew cited Zechariah 11, 12 through 13, in regards to that 30 pieces of silver that were thrown down to the potter in the temple. It's all connected. It's so beautiful how God's scripture connects. All the scriptures are connected because they're written by the Holy Spirit. What Matthew did was unite the elements from both Jeremiah and Zechariah, but Zechariah was a minor prophet, and he named Jeremiah the major prophet in the scripture, but the scriptures were taken from both. And the word foolish means morally deficient and corrupt because they don't receive God's truth. And 
Israel rejected their true shepherd, Jesus, and they're going to one day blindly accept and obey a false shepherd, the Antichrist, who is coming, and he will lead them astray. And, and many, many across the entire world will be fooled by this Antichrist. And those who reject God and accept darkness will be judged. And according to Daniel 9.27, the Antichrist will actually be able to make a covenant with the Jewish nation for seven years, and that's the seven-year tribulation. But after three and a half years, he'll break the covenant and put his own image on the temple and force the world to worship him instead. And the Lord is going to judge this false shepherd by breaking his power, his right arm, and confusing his mind, which is his right eye. And then Jesus is going to come from heaven and confine him to the lake of fire for a thousand years. He's going to bind the enemy. And during the thousand years, Christ will reign in his glorious kingdom on earth with us. And we will be with him. And Israel will receive the blessings of the promises that have been given by the prophets throughout scripture and the church and God's children, the Jews and the Gentiles alike will reign with him in his kingdom and all of creation will enter into the glorious liberty of Christ and the glorious kingdom of Christ and his kingdom will come to earth because Jesus is returning and that day is nearing. We don't know when, but it's closer today than it was yesterday and that we know for sure. Thanks, y'all. I hope you're having a most glorious day in the Lord.